You're listening to Identity Revolution, a podcast from the consumer identity management experts at Infutor Data Solutions. In each episode, we invite industry leaders for data-driven discussions on all things marketing, analytics, and identity. Join us as we take a deep dive into industry trends, strategies, and the future of data technology. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Identity Revolution podcast brought to you by Infutor Data Solutions. I'm your host, Corey Davis. I lead the marketing technology, advertising technology, and media ecosystem here at Infutor. And today, very, very excited to to welcome our guest, Scott Brinker, to the show. Scott is the VP of Platform Ecosystem at HubSpot, along with, and what many people know him for, He is the editor of chiefmartech.com. As many of you might know, he's sort of the the mastermind or the evil genius maybe behind the marketing technology landscape that comes out once a year and has been writing about and involved in the environment and the ecosystem for a very long time. So Scott, thanks so much for, for joining today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here with you. Absolutely. So first, I guess to get us started, can you give the audience a little bit of background on on you, your story, and then also what you're up to right now uh, at HubSpot. Sure. Yeah. So I started out as really kind of a hybrid software developer entrepreneur back in the early, early days of the online world. I won't date myself too badly here, but let's just say the web was kind of a novel idea when it came out. And that's initially got me interested in marketing just as an entrepreneur. It turns out when you build software, they don't just come and automatically start buying it. You apparently have to do some promotion to get the word out. So I got very interested in that. And then as the web evolved and my career evolved, I ended up in businesses that were primarily serving marketers. I ran a web development agency for a number of years and get hired by the marketing department. My technology team would then try and go work with their IT department and bridge these two worlds. And then, yeah, eventually became involved in running my own SaaS company, Ion Interactive. And then after that, eventually reached a maturity and was acquired. That's why I joined HubSpot. But the common thread had just always been finding ways to intersect between, yeah, the the culture of technology and software and marketing which was a really weird thing for so many years, but now has become, yeah, of course, it's just how the world works. And then at HubSpot, yeah, I joined them to really help with this mission of that crazy MarTech landscape, as exciting as all the innovation is that happens throughout it. It's been a real challenge for, you know, marketers who've had to take the burden of figuring out how did they get these different pieces to integrate. And I've always felt that that's really a responsibility that the MarTech vendor community needs to take ownership of. We should be able to figure out how to solve this and make it better and easier for marketers. And so, yeah, when HubSpot reached out to, yeah, invite me to join them to help them with that mission, I was just (laughs) thrilled to join. And yeah, that's really what we've been focusing on for these past three years. Awesome. And so it's been about three years at at HubSpot? Yeah, I think now three and a half. So time is growing. 2020, it's weird, depending on how you look at it. It It's either like gone in an instant or like the year that would never end. So, (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, in Vitor, we certainly strive, I think, to sort of help marketers the best we can with sort of connecting all these pieces together. 
and obviously your point of view might be different than mine. I think my view on this sort of huge expansion on on the ecosystem is really just the the sort of constant and never ending change and advancement of consumer expectations, which ultimately feeds into the customer expectation, which would be the brand where all these MarTech companies are trying to support. So I guess why is the the MarTech ecosystem as a whole so important in business and in marketing? Like how are you seeing it? How has it evolved and who's doing it well? in that space other than HubSpot, please. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a great question. And and there's a lot in there. You know, I think at one level you could say, okay, so marketing had a set of core responsibilities that have been pretty consistent for a while of like communications to the marketplace, you know, and identifying our customers and managing some of that communications promotion, you know, and B2B demand generation. And what's been fascinating is while, you know, those motions have been around for a very long time, yeah, over the past 20 years, right, there's just been this incredible revolution in the way in which we harness technology to do that much better. And then part of that is also, right, this explosion in the number of channels, digital channels that we use to engage with them. So that's one piece alone. And that alone has been like, I mean, if you just looked at that, you'd be like, oh, yeah, wow. The discipline of marketing has gone through this incredible period of just advancement and evolution. But it's bigger than that because kind of at the same time, part of this whole digital revolution was brands really did become defined by customer experience, primarily because, right, customers would then are finally in a position of great power to be able to share what their experience is like to all the rest of the world very easily. And so it's kind of gotten marketing into a role at so many companies where, okay, it's not just about the communications or the demand generation or somehow, hey, who's managing this advertising campaign? It's like, wow, how do we think about customer experience holistically? And we look at all these touch points across the customer lifecycle as a part of our marketing engine. And when you think about it, right, I mean, the scope uh, of doing that and doing that well is just like huge. And so again, this is a place where both there's a lot of technologies associated with those touch points. But I think we're also seeing technologies that are helping marketers orchestrate across this much larger mission. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess as you've been doing the ecosystem and the and the sort of landscape for so long, as we think about the, just the last couple of years, what have you seen accelerate? How have you seen? Obviously, I think the the most recent stat that I saw was like it's ninety one pieces of software is kind of the average for a big enterprise brand. I mean, at some point that has to decrease, right? And at some point, the list of the 8,000 on the landscape has to at some point decrease. Is that just not really ever going to happen? Because every time that somebody exits and gets swallowed up by HubSpot, there's somebody new coming along because the innovation cycles are so much faster. I guess, what's the prediction for the next, say, three to five years? Yeah, it's a great question. It's hard to answer in like a simple way just because you've got 
Well, two things. First of all, you've got multiple forces happening at the same time. There are definitely forces of consolidation. Business is business, right? I mean, companies compete in a category. You end up with winners in that category. And the ones that don't win do tend to go away one way or another. But yeah, as you exactly as you said, through this process of companies going through that cycle of success or failure, they then turn around, you know, the people involved with this, there's just so few barriers to entry in any kind of software business at this point, that they get another idea, they turn around and they launch something new or like, one well, of my favorite examples would be, this is from not HubSpot, right? So like the folks at Pardot who got acquired by Exact Target, and then Exact Target is part of that got acquired by Salesforce. And on one hand, you'd look at that and you'd say, ah, okay, see, that's consolidation. You had three companies, and now you have one. But then like David Cummings, who was, you know, one of the co-founders of Pardot, took the money he got from all that, turned around, like fed it as like angel money into like dozens of these companies in the Atlanta ecosystem. And so now, wait a second, I used to have three MarTech companies. Now I got 20 of them just yep. from this one person being attached yep. to it. So there's that dynamic. That being said, there's supply side, but there is demand side, and there is a finite limit to how much money companies are going to spend on software. And so I think what's interesting here is if we don't necessarily think about just the number of discrete elements in somebody's MarTech stack, but we recognize that those elements aren't equal that I might have one or two major platforms. I might have a handful of other products I use for very specialized capabilities. They're sort of best in class for what they do. But we're also now starting to see this just explosion of these ecosystems around these platforms that have these much smaller products and technologies that aren't necessarily going to become the next billion dollar MarTech firm. But hey, you get these firms that they specialize in something, they do it really well, it plugs into the rest of the stack. Maybe they're making, you know, like it's a 10 million, $20 million business. The people who are running it love it. As one example for this, to sort of put this in perspective, like if you think about WordPress as a MarTech product, okay, well, in some ways WordPress is consolidated because I don't know, what is it like 25% of the sites on the web, WordPress. But then the WordPress ecosystem has something like 60,000 plugins for it. Now, granted, not all 60,000 of those plugins are worth talking about, but you can't deny, I mean, there's this huge long tail of these specialized extensions that plug in on top of WordPress. And so, yeah, what do you count as a MarTech product? Does it have to be a certain scale to even qualify and why? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, it feels like it's almost uh, rising tide lifts all boats. It's sort of like, to me, maybe today it's five or 10 or 25 of these billion dollar giant companies, and then like 7,000 of the smaller things, and the 100 million, and the 25 million, and the 5 million in that long tail. And that maybe what happens is just both sides of that just grow and grow and grow. Seems very feasible to me that maybe in five years, it's 15,000 and not 8,000. Is that attainable? Is that too much? Is that too much confusion for the marketer? Is that too messy? Can nobody then win? Like, how does that? Yeah, I mean, these are, these are great questions. And I guess try and keep a humility to this that I don't have the answers. One of the things that working on that MarTech landscape project year over year was so fascinating for me is 
when I'd started doing that and like the first one, it was like 150 some products. If you'd asked me to predict, well, how big do you think this will be in 10 years? There's no way in hell I would have predicted it would be like 8,000. You know, I would have thought, hey, wow, maybe we'll get up to 500. It'll be really large. And so it's been more of like an empirical process of saying, all right, well, predicting the future is hard. But if we even just sort of pay attention to what is actually happening here in the present and what are sort of the trends from how it's been evolving, I think, yeah, that's where you see like, okay, you can see this. And then you start to dig into like, well, why is this happening? How does this work? And so getting answers to that and explanations to that, I think is reasonable. But when you start trying to extrapolate it out five years, you get different hypotheses. My hypothesis is that there will be in that order of like hundreds, you know, of major platforms and systems and then surrounded by, yeah, thousands and thousands of smaller ecosystem products. Other people will argue it differently. But one of the things I take a bit of inspiration for is looking at the consumer space and things like the iPhone and Android for crying out loud. I mean, those things have like millions of apps in them. And like, how many times do you hear people complaining of like, oh my God, there's just too many apps in the Apple app store. I just, I can't stop the madness. It's not an issue because people are finding the things that are relevant to them. And then the process of like adding them to their phone is just so brain dead easy. And if I don't like it, I toss it and I get something else. I understand when we talk about business tech stacks, it's never going to be that easy. The stakes are higher. It's just, it, it is a different game. But I think there's some parallels to say that like, okay, if we could make the experience of integrating these capabilities better in the MarTech industry, yeah, I mean, should a marketer care that there's 8,000, 10,000, 20,000 products in the market? That doesn't even feel like it's the right question to ask. The question is like, are you able to get the things that work for you? <laughs> like sure. forget about even almost stop thinking about it from a product perspective and more like, what are the capabilities you want to implement to execute the world-class marketing vision you have in your head? And if you can find the tools to do that, does the size of the overall landscape, I mean, again, it's, it's, yeah. it's a factor, there's discovery, there's a whole bunch of reasons why it is a factor, but boy, it seems like asymptotically, we could get a lot better at making it less of a factor in how marketers think about this. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. What, to shift gears a little bit, you were mentioning before sort of trends and things that are happening. I guess, what are you seeing, maybe if we chop it to the beginning of 2020 to now or 2019 to now, early in, in 2021? What are the shifts, I guess, that you're seeing across the MarTech AdTech ecosystem? And what are the trends that are emerging across that space right now? Yeah, I mean, 2020 was a bizarre year. And so when the pandemic first hit, people had plenty of things to worry about. But apparently there were enough people who like reached out to assure me that, aha, this is going to be the trigger event that decimates the MarTech industry. And finally, at, at the end of 2020, there won't be 8,000. It'll be consolidated down to 1,000. The exact opposite happened. I mean, yes, there were definitely businesses acquired. There were businesses went out of business. But because of the shift in prioritization of companies to get much more serious about digital engagement, how they run their businesses you know, digitally, how they engage with customers digitally, is there was an explosion 
of startups in the MarTech space. I mean, certainly some categories more than others, like if you look into the, the virtual event space, it's friggin' on fire. I mean, even this stuff, like, I mean, when we're using Squadcast to like record mm-hmm. things around like podcasting and better ways of creating video content, like a tool like Descript, there's all this innovation that actually got triggered. So I think we're still in a place where if we were to count all the MarTech companies in the world today uh, using the same kind of algorithm that I used for previous years on that landscape, there's no doubt in my mind it would be over 10,000. Wow. Okay. And so other than everybody working from home and that sort of remote environment sort of trend, are there just we can be better marketers trends, customer experience or something like that? Anything, any categories, I guess, that have popped up or really got a lot of steam behind them? Yeah, I mean, so there's both categories and then there's approaches. So from a category perspective, yeah, definitely like the virtual events side of things has had a lot of innovation. A lot of innovation happening still around like data, data management, data insights, partly because technologies, things like Snowflake and whatnot, people are now getting to a place where not only are they collecting all of this data and getting it into one you know, central repository, they're now starting to layer on all sorts of other applications that take advantage of that, partly for analysis, but also partly for how we turn around and impact customer experience from that data. And then from an approach perspective, yeah, I mean, so much happening with Two things. One, I know this has been hyped to death, but it's becoming very, very real, is the application of AI and marketing. I mean, these machine learning models are now being embedded in so many different products. Some of this generative AI technology that over the summer, there were a bunch of these examples with that OpenAI's GPT-3 project. (laughs) But now actually people are starting to ship products that are leveraging that engine. And it's crazy what some of this stuff can do. And then kind of related to that as a topic I've been paying attention to for a while, but have gotten really amazed with over this past year of what people call no-code. These Mm -hmm. these, and, And I think of it really broadly. It's not just about no code for like, oh, can you build an app by dragging and dropping? It's almost like a a shift in saying, hey, there are all these things that people used to require an expert professional to do for them, whether it was building an app or integrating two products or doing this graphic design. And now we've got software that lets actually a non-expert, just a general market or business user, be able to build these things, create these things with it. And again, they're not creating the super advanced, sophisticated things. You still need expert tools for that. But there are so many of these like sort of lower end, mid end use cases in marketing that all of a sudden we've empowered pretty much everyone in marketing to just make this stuff happen on their own. That trend, I think, is it it certainly exploded in this past year. And I have the impression that it's just getting started. I think over the next two or three years here, it's just going to be insane what those tools offer people. Awesome. Love it. I want to transition into just some general thoughts, I guess, kind of a step away from MarTech and AdTech ecosystem into some of the, I guess, what I would call external factors around that ecosystem. And so just some quick sort of lightning round, just a few thoughts on these topics. The first being direct consumer brands. Love it. 
And again, this is another one of these accelerants in the MarTech space is these D2C brands. They're digitally native and they have gotten so good at leveraging technology to build those businesses. I love it. And then I guess maybe the inverse of that would be what I would think of as sort of uh, traditional brands, mainly like consumer packaged goods. Yeah, challenging space, but I feel like those companies too are doing a lot of innovation. Part of some of them are just taking the strategy of buying up D2C brands, which is a viable strategy. But yeah, I think you're now seeing still folks try to figure out like, okay, even going through these traditional distribution channels, how do we create a more direct relationship with our customers above and beyond that? The next one would be sort of related to a trend that we heard a lot about in-housing maybe two, three years ago. Hmm. It definitely seems to have lost a little bit of its luster, but the inverse of the in-housing is the ad agency specifically the large ones, the big holding companies. Are they building a lot of these capabilities in-house? Are they licensing this software? Are they customers to MarTech and AdTech? Are they blinders on? What's your take on that? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the projects I did last year, I spent a few months working with WPP. We sort of jointly produced a like vision of, okay, where do we think MarTech's going on major trends in the next 10 years? And so that whole group that I work with there was like their technology teams, their product management teams. So I know for a fact they're thinking about like, how do we integrate these services? How do we change the capabilities, what we're providing the customers? That being said, I, I think it is a really big challenge. I mean, it's two things are true. One is companies need a tremendous amount of help with this stuff. I mean, there's just so much change happening and so many things that get need to get done. And the expertise to do this is still so new that for so many businesses out there, it's just not an option to say, oh yeah, we'll just do this all ourselves. So we know there's enormous demand for services to help this. That being said, the kinds of services that people need and the sort of things they're looking to do is just so different than what traditional ad agencies did like even just 10 years ago is it's a really challenging transformation mission for them. But I'm optimistic. Part of it is like the, their model, right? Those holding companies were kind of designed in a way to continually over time acquire new specialists and move that around. And so I, I think you'll see a lot of acquisitions in that space over the next 10 years. The last one on the sort of quick answers here is marketing channels. I want to call it two specific channels. One the behemoth of the walled gardens, what I would say is the sort of main three walled gardens, Amazon, Google, and Facebook versus what has become the emerging big channel connected TV. Thoughts on thoughts on all of those? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't have a lightning answer to that. I think it is still a much more open market here in North America and Europe then like if I think about, for instance, in China with, oh boy, yeah, WeChat, right? I mean, it's like, talk about a platform that like has embedded everything into it versus I feel like here in Western markets, it's still, there's so many alternate channels that ultimately end up dominating the relationship with the customer through, you know, your own website, your own apps, your own email engagements. I think there's still a lot more 
competitive dynamics with those walled gardens. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that moves forward. It starts again to some of these things around like current events here in the US too. It's like, yeah, how much power does the world want to put in the hands uh, of these platforms? For sure. And then on the connected TV side, for me, it feels like that's a space where there's going to be a ton of software innovation and ad tech and, and martech companies that maybe are already uh, innovating in that space and certainly have a lot of tailwinds behind them. Are you seeing that same thing? Yes, I think it's still early. The ecosystems uh, around those haven't quite crossed the chasm. But yeah, I mean, if you're like basically trying to extend like, well, what's logically going to happen here over the next five years? Yeah, it would be hard pressed to not to see like, yeah, that's going to be a really big mature channel. Okay. And last question before we sort of close out here would be, I guess, across MarTech and AdTech, what are you most excited about for the future? Yeah, I'll cheat and say the two things that I'm really excited about these days is one is the ecosystem side. Like I think the industry as a whole is making a lot of progress in making these pieces work better together. And as we continue down that journey, that's just going to unlock so much value and synergy between these things. And then the second thing is, yeah, you know, that sort of no code movement of just more broadly about saying, hey, listen, the average marketer who is not a software developer, they're not a superstar graphic designer, but they're responsible for driving these programs and these campaigns and they have ideas, the tools that are going to be at their disposal to be able to snap their fingers and make these things happen on their own, uh, it's just going to completely change the game of the speed and scale of what marketing does. Awesome. Love it. Okay. So then I guess the last, last question is where can people find you? Where can we obviously read about you and connect to you and hear more about what you're working on? Yeah. So my blog is chiefmartech.com and that's chiefmartech without an H at the end. So it's M-A-R-T-E-C, a long story on that, I'll spare you. And then also that, yeah, Martech, Chief Martech without the H is my Twitter handle. So yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to chat with folks. Awesome. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today on this new episode of Identity Revolution. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to Identity Revolution. For more data-driven discussion, subscribe to Identity Revolution on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And for more on how Infutor can improve your data strategy across your entire enterprise, visit infutor.com.